Hey everyone, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let you know we now have a Patreon. Our patrons will get access to episodes early, monthly minisodes, and will be able to vote on the movies we choose. Go to patreon.com slash isitwet for more information. Uh, thanks so much to everyone who subscribed already. You are like the personification of how the movie Blade makes us feel. So thank you so much. Hey everyone, welcome to Is It Wet, the post-apocalyptic podcast where we're just hurtling into the wasteland away from our haters on a war rig made of friendship and breast milk. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And today we are discussing the 2015 post-apocalyptic action film, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my uh, electric guitar impression. And Caitlin, um, I assume you have like some kind of sting every time I spray my mouth with silver and scream, witness me. Witness me! Witness me! Before I make oh, any I joke, wait. I'll be doing that this whole podcast. Yep. Because, like anything, like die, dying for uh, a, a creepy uh, warlord or making mm-hmm. a joke, it's better when when others are there to witness it. Yep, it's it is. It's better. It's better when they're able to witness you. Witness me! Witness me! So yeah, I'm so excited to get into this. I just realized that. Okay, so is this episode? gonna come out around valentine's day i think it will i think it's gonna come out after okay well in any case uh the last time i watched this movie was last year on valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) and i'm pretty sure the year before too which and that's because uh uh, at my previous job uh in the before times i would Mm -hmm. host events um and we would always do like a fuck valentine's day event like a not Mm -hmm. like the week of valentine's day i would do other kind of i'd do like speed dating or something but the day of valentine's day we always did like a fuck valentine's day we're just gonna watch mad max fury road um (laughs) so it's a valentine's day tradition for me I I feel like I've seen it. It I don't know when this came out, but which is something I could very easily look up. I think the joke is on you, Caitlin, because this this movie is extremely romantic. It's uh, it gets me going, and uh, it's about the bond. I mean, maybe not necessarily romantic love, but certainly the importance of intimacy and vulnerability. Oh, totally, totally. And it's about just fucking shredding that fury road, which absolutely, you know, just like just witnessing me on the fury road. That's what it's about. <laughs> But before that, uh, Sophie, did you have any wet moments this week that stood out? Yeah. So I uh, watched I watched something that was pre- pretty wet. And yeah, it was vampire related. Uh, oh, okay. But, yep. <laughs> but, uh, but not from the 90s or the 2000s. I watched <gasps> oh. uh, Netflix. I watched Vampires vs. the Bronx, which is a very good movie. Um, hmm. It is... 
It's got a lot of classic things I love about vampire movies um, in that the vampires in it are like, uh, I either want vampires to be like an allegory for a social issue or Mm -hmm. for them if they're a sympathetic vampire or if they're an evil vampire, I like when they're an allegory for some kind of social evil. So in this mm-hmm. this movie, it's it's essentially it reminded me a lot of the Lost Boys because the, it it does uh, center on some like preteen boys who figure out that there's vampires, and essentially the vampires in the movie are real estate developers who are gentrifying the Bronx. Oh, wow. And like literally sucking the neighborhood dry. Yeah. And so it was like it was like a really like it was not subtle, but it was very good. Um, yeah, Marrow from Jesus and Marrow was in it, and he's so good. He like he blew me away. I I love him, but he was so funny in it. So this is this this movie came out recently. It came out in twenty twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was directed by um, Osmani Rodriguez and. Produced by Lauren Michaels. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Sleeper pick. <laughs> it, But it, it was very good. Uh, and there's a scene. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is that to prepare for um, these kids to prepare for fighting these vampires, they watch Blade. But specifically, oh. they, they watch the Blood God scene. <laughs> Oh, and they're amazing. like taking notes of the Blood God scene. And I'm like... Yes, like there's a lot of great information in Blade, like about <laughs> especially about how to kill a vampire, like of any movie, like it's as we know it's a zenith. Mm-hmm. However, the blood god scene not as informational, definitely but it is, not. It is one of the most visually dramatic. Yeah, but. and I was gonna say by the time you get to the blood god scene, you're at the point where like the way that you defeat vampires in this movie is you just got to be blade and he's just like kicking them and they and they <laughs> explode. So it blade sets up a lot of a lot of uh vampire lore for you and then again as we discussed in the episode by the end it's just <laughs> you just got to be blade and he kicks you and yeah. <laughs> yeah, they actually they have this like running gag where they like write write certain things on on a notepad okay. like stakes garlic this and one of them should have just been like be blade <laughs> yeah you just be. gotta be blade <laughs> just just turn yourself into blade yeah i will say though i mean it's very in the tradition because i know we've talked about on this podcast how that's very true to dracula because it's canon in dracula that He's very into business yes. and into real estate and into gentrification. Yes. So I think that this has been a long – that this actually might be a longer term – there there may have been a longer history of vampires representing like real estate developers and gentrification and the sort of evil evil around that yeah. on, on p- communities and on people. Yeah, that's that's a great recommendation. Of course, we know the Cullens are billionaires, and yeah, and like honestly, besides fucking, besides the dad who's a he's a doctor, right? The dad, um, yeah. The, besides him, like, what are they doing to contribute to society? They have all of this like knowledge and wealth. Uh, it's it is it, this is making me angry now. <laughs> Do you know how they make their money? I feel they like literally I can't remember. explain it away. They they say so Alice, uh she's the 
she's the Cullen, she can see the future. Oh, okay. So they use her power to play the stock market. <gasps> so they are profiting off of manipulating the stock market. <sighs> and and, and at one what point are they is doing with their money? What are they doing with that money? Just having it? I I don't know. They're buying cars. They okay. So it is established. Uh, the fuck island that Edward oh, yeah, takes Bella yeah. to in, in Brazil that is owned by his dad. So Carlisle Cullen owns an island in Brazil, and at one point there's like indigenous people that come to talk oh to Bella, God. like from that island. So like, what the fuck, Carlisle Cullen? Wow. What the yeah, I remember that. Those yeah. those books are wild. Those colonizing <laughs> Cullens, yeah. yeah, yeah. Call call it the colonizing. The colonizing, That's, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think vampires, like for me, can represent many things. Like I think as a metaphor, uh, yeah, as a metaphor in many different ways. But mm-hmm. this was a great a great addition to the canon that everyone I think everyone should check out. Nice. How about you, Caitlin? <laughs> okay, so the, this is really representative of uh, of us that you you selected uh. what sounds like a really wonderful commentary uh, uh, that just happens to be um, a vampire a vampire story, and then mine is uh. I crushed all of the new, the second season of the Netflix show Blown Away, which is the glass blowing competition okay. show, and I. I love oh, it. Yeah, I loved the first one. <laughs> I love this season. And it's just like, while it's using fire, you know, heat, and you wouldn't generally think of that as wet, it is such a uh, sweaty process. And you have to mm-hmm. like be consuming like crazy amounts of water while you while you blow glass because you're losing so much uh, fluid by mm-hmm. sweating. So you have to like... You have to like measure out how much water you're drinking in order to be able to finish whatever project you're doing. And yeah, on top of it, just like the process of blowing glass is just so like shiny and wet and and wonderful and seeing all the different ways that Mm -hmm. they use this very unique substance to create these Mm -hmm. really awesome. It's like, uh, you know, fine arts mixed with physical labor. It's it's like a sport Mm -hmm. mixed with. Uh, fine art and it's mm-hmm. a really great show and I loved it and it's it's a good it's a good second season there's some good good fun characters and it's great <laughs> oh yeah I so you're you're just sweating a lot so you're needing to like just fucking rehydrate constantly yeah yeah they keep talking about how like every hour you lose this much and Oof. if you're and they because you're just standing in front of this flame mm-hmm. in front of this uh it's called a glory hole but oh, it's boy. the it's okay. what they it's what they stick the glass <laughs> in right. to heat it up before they blow it All and right. yeah so you're you're standing in front of that glory hole and you're like <laughs> pa- you're pounding it sometimes okay. and you're like so you're pounding the, the glory hole got you're it pounding <laughs> the yeah the, it's a fun it's a fun show for like the the terms the terminology that you learn too and yeah. some of them are really fun i so i bet there's some like delicious looking molten glass exactly ooh, it that's the, the the hardest part about being a glass blower not being a glass blower <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say that the hardest part about being a glass blower is not just like 
eating it, just not just like uh, yeah, sticking, sticking all of the your... things. Yeah, yeah, just not <laughs> right in your mouth. It must be like, mm, it must be like delicious, like, mm, like, like sticky, warm, hot fudge treacle. Mm. Oh, delicious. Yeah. And just like the way that they are manipulate the molten glass, it like sometimes they'll like wrap it around something and it's mm-hmm. just, it, yeah, it is delicious looking. And when it's finished, it looks delicious are, are too. Are these people using using their mouths to blow the glass? Okay, so are they also losing like a lot of spit into it? Yeah. They got to yeah. hydrate. Oh boy, that is what. Exactly. Yeah, you're losing so much liquid and then you're just like, they're drenched in sweat. Like you're just, you're, you're covered in sweat and then like you've got to have damp cloths everywhere because you've got to hold the, you've got to mold some of the glass with a damp cloth. So you have all these okay. water buckets everywhere. So where's the glory hole? Are you putting it in the glory hole or are you putting your mouth to the glory hole? Oh, okay. So what you're blowing is on a different thing. That's called okay. a punty. I believe I believe it's it's called the punty and that's okay. what they that's what you put the glass on and uh-huh. then you yeah you stick your mouth on the end of it and you blow but to heat it up to get it uh-huh. to the temperature to where you can blow it you stick it in this like furnace that's called a glory hole okay great all right that's that's charming I now uh think we need to arrest all glass blowers you you horny, horny people. All right. Yeah. They're honestly, though, the way that they talk about glass blowing on the show is it's a lot like how we talk about improv. And okay. And it's it's it does. It sounds very appealing. I know that I I would not be able to do it because physically I don't think I could do anything that it requires. Right, right. Yeah. But but like the idea of like there's this one contestant who everyone is going to fall in love mm-hmm. with. Um, it, her name's Kat. She is mm-hmm. fantastic. And Kat talks about how she has a degenerative eye disease. I think. Oh shit. And her mother has it as well. So she sort of can see the trajectory that mm-hmm. her her eyes might take. And doing the glass blowing is exacerbating it like exponentially. Oh, my God. Because of the heat, because of the steam going into yeah. your eyes. Like it's it's just uh, and she is like already she already has some cataracts and she's like, but this is but I love this. Like right. glass blowing saved my life. And now it's also like hurting me but like the process of doing it heals me and hurts me at the same time and like yeah yeah, it's it's beautiful so your reason the what gives your life purpose and meaning is also something Mm -hmm. that is that is detrimental to you in the long run yeah yeah and that like they none of them are injury free like they're all covered in burns just like constantly so like on top of trying to eat that delicious delicious they won't stop trying to eat the molten glass i'm gonna send you this image because it looks like oh i'm sure it looks like a delicious molten lollipop that they're just dipping in sprinkles and i want to yeah eat and it also so like bad. sometimes they'll make a lollipop out of glass and you're like why are you doing that to <laughs> why yourself are you tempting me <laughs> Here, man. does that not look like it's it's being dipped in sprinkles oh yes oh i know i know what eat. those sprinkles are called <laughs> Ooh, what are the sprinkles called <laughs> they're called frit Ooh, uh, yeah frit is like little um it's like how it gives the glass color because all they blow the glass and it's like uh mm-hmm. it's clear and they add this colored dust to it this frit and then it and there's d- different ways you can add color to it that's just one way but um yeah oh that image it's just full of that you should watch the show it's really 
It's really great. But yeah, but it's a competition show. And like all competition shows, it's a little like, it's a little frustrating when you people are eliminated who shouldn't be yet. And then, you know, it's all that it's all there's like a cheesy host. Shout out to Nick Uhas, the host of Nick Uhas. <laughs> Blown away. Oh, man. Well, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. The Fury oh, Road. Oh, yeah. The, on the Fury Road. Yeah. So this was neither of our first times watching this movie, mm-hmm. obviously. We love this. It is. I, I knew it was wet, like, obviously. Yeah. But I didn't even realize how wet until I watched it, you know, yeah. with that in mind this time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, one of the first lines uh that you get that's that's voiceover mm-hmm. of of i guess mad max um first name mad Ugh. last name Max. just kidding yeah. i know that he has a his i know he has like a a name <laughs> but in the in the lore of uh-huh. the mad max universe but one of the first lines is like my world is fire and blood and i'm oh, like yeah. yeah dude yeah, oh, yeah that's i'm in like yeah, this movie was a definitely a breakthrough for me in, in our unified theory of wetness because kind of hand in hand where you're where we were kind of like, yeah, I think Waterworld is dry. Mm-hmm. And then I thought of like, what what's what would someone think is like the most dry movie? Oh, a desert movie. Oh, what's a great desert movie? Mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road. And then me being like, no, but that movie is so wet. Like not only are is there a lot of goopiness, but the characters are wet. Oh yeah, that that's that sand at times is wet. It has its own mind of its own, uh, and the themes are wet to me. I would say absolutely because it takes place in such an arid climate that almost accentuates the wetness more. So when there is liquid of some kind, it's more noti- it's more noticeable, and it makes it takes definitely like, uh, center stage more. And so I think that that makes it all the more wetter. I I absolutely agree. Yeah. And this a big a big part of what makes this movie wet for me is it's definitely uh, it's it's fits in multiple different mm-hmm. categories of genre and stuff. But steampunk is definitely one of them. I, I love a, a steampunk aesthetic and and steampunk is all just about like it's just oil and steam and water and yeah, all kinds of different oils right. and machinery cranking. Uh, so there's like constantly just like spraying liquids like all over the place, even again in the middle of this desert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's a truck driving through a desert and yet like everything is spraying whether mm-hmm. it's yeah steam or water right. or oil yeah. um or whether somebody's like spraying their face with chrome chrome uh, chrome baby shiny and chrome yeah i don't yeah. care what it is if it's made out of chrome it is wet you know yeah this movie is both grimy and shiny which is like not mm-hmm. a common which i guess is very is very steam steampunk having things be gri- mm-hmm. both grimy and shiny um but definitely just like the aesthetic that this warlord has taken on it, it, to me is 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 extremely wet i yeah this movie as i'm sure everyone who's seen it is aware is very very excellent um i remember i when i first saw this movie i 
was late to the movie theater. Um, and so I like came when the <gasps> cheese had started. Oh, you, you hate, you hate to see and it. And so I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Cause I was just like, this is so chaotic because the whole movie is just yeah. a chase, which is not bad, but like, I'm not the biggest action person. This is one of my favorite action movies, but to me, the just it was a little bit nonstop, and to be plopped into that was a little bit intense. But since then, since rewatching yeah. it, like on a smaller screen, I'm like more able to deal with deal with the. Um, no, I agree. Of- yeah, I never saw this on. I don't think I saw this on the big screen, mm-hmm. but yeah, I th- I think it would be uh, obviously wonderful, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure people really enjoyed it. But yeah, for for people who maybe action movies aren't the best, and I've said before mm-hmm. on this podcast that like I find myself during action sequences in movies like being really confused yeah. with yeah. all the cutting. This movie is great and yeah. does does a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little. It, I would think it'd be a little overwhelming on the big screen. So I. I like a good small screen watch of this one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, so something I was going to ask you was, have you seen any of the other Mad Maxes? I have not. Like, are you familiar with the world at all? Okay, I have not either. (laughs) with them as a concept. I I, I feel like I reference a Thunderdome a lot, but I have not seen them. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I haven't seen them because I like, I... I just don't watch a lot of movies from the 80s, as we know, as a rule, um, unless Joel Schumacher made it. <laughs> and but I and like I think by the time I would have been able, like old enough to appreciate it, I think like mm-hmm. Mel Gibson was not cool. <laughs> yeah. By that yeah. point. Um, so I like had no interest in watching a Mel Gibson film. They look, yeah. they look wet. They look drier than this movie, but I'm sure they're very grimy. I just love this world mm-hmm. so much that I, I've i never seen any of them, but I right. kind of want to. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I kind of want to. And I so if this is definitely in the same world yeah. at, as all of the other mm-hmm. ones, which, which it is, um, then it seems like Max is a character who uh yeah doesn't have like a ton of personality or lines or like he's that's not his role Mm -hmm. in the in the films uh so if that's the case then maybe I wouldn't because I also uh dislike Mel Gibson a lot but uh but yeah oh I know Uh, you're so brave (laughs) crazy so brave they're gonna cancel him (laughs) after this podcast comes out this is gonna be the thing <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think uh what was I saying? Oh yeah, that maybe if like I don't know, maybe if he's just kind of a just rogue nobody then mm-hmm. then maybe it would be because i love this this yeah. universe where the like the characters are so ambiguous yes. like you don't get backstory mm-hmm. behind anyone really you you do kind of with with furiosa yeah. i guess um but for a while you just like get nothing and yet all of these characters are so vivid and unique mm-hmm. and like stark in our minds mm-hmm. because of so a big realization that I had while watching this movie is so it is over the top. Mm-hmm. It is stylized. It is crazy action sequences. It is crazy outfits and costumes. Nothing uh, really adheres to like people survive things that like 
they right, shouldn't. Right. <laughs> um, that this is doing a lot of the same things that the fifth element was was yeah, attempting. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I didn't hate it this time. So I right, and I don't right. exactly know why, but I thought that like the spirit of the fifth elements, like uh, what was that? Cinema de Luc or whatever. This yes, kind of yeah. had that, I thought. It, it did. It had some of that uh, sort of frenetic pacing and dialogue and and the, the cuts, which like we'll get into some of the cuts and the 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 frame rate and all of that is like <laughs> fascinating in this movie. Very much reminiscent of The Fifth Element. However, this movie was good. Right. It yeah. had something to say. <laughs> it had themes. It had characters who went on a journey and had an arc. Mm-hmm. The fifth element kind of forgot about doing those things. And that is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe a big, big part of it for me might have been the just the portrayal of women um, in general is just like, yeah, 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 you know, is great in this and not so much. Right. In the fifth element. Yeah. Yep. This was this movie. This movie begins in one of. I mean, we have a lot of movies that I think have contenders for like wettest thirty seconds, (laughs) but I think this has to go up there because this begins, as you said, with uh, Max and his. um, So Tom Hardy, who's fantastic, he's fabulous in this movie. I really like him. uh, he's kind of doing his Bane voice a little. Yeah. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. And I looked it up, and he said that he was trying to mimic someone who like hasn't used their voice okay. in a couple years, so that's why he's like... Bleh. Gotcha. He's like... My name is Max. My world is fire and blood. That's Bates over there. Yeah. <laughs> is that how he sounds? Yeah. 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 My world is fire and blood. Yeah. Every time this movie starts, I go, this isn't how it, what is this movie? Am I watching the right movie? I forget how, cause it just starts with him, like him being chased and captured. Yes. Um, yeah. And, but it's, yeah. so, everything is so fast. Like it just happens so right. fast. And I'm like, yeah. I always think I played the wrong movie somehow. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but it's a, but it, I think it is supposed to make you feel that way. It's it. Yes. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you feel like max <laughs> yeah, it weird, yeah it's weird just calling him like max <laughs> max max uh he we see him first critical level oh, yes. within the first minute yeah. is he much like the mu- it was giving me a little bit of the mummy uh he gobbles down a two-headed li- lizard straight straight down straight into his ma yeah very wet very wet stuff and like and the world building in that wet choice yes. is so big because you're like, okay, this this world is sandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got fire and blood. This guy's uh, not holding it all together and he has to eat lizards that have two heads. So something like 
nuclear this is the post-apocalypse yep. maybe something nuclear maybe some uh, climate collapse it well just- they've also in the voiceover right before this mentioned the oil wars which are never right, explained right. but i don't think yeah. we need to have them explained no. um and just the oil wars like yes the oil <laughs> wars oh, of course and that you know ultimately after the oil wars it's all about who has the guzzoline i fucking love that they call it guzzoline like chef's kiss to Uh, to guzzoline the diet the name like i'm not ready to talk about the names of the characters like i need to i need some like to be eased into talking about that i'm not i'm not fully prepped yeah but the dialogue generally is both so silly and weird (laughs) and so shakespearean and it like it's like rapid fired overlaps uh each other in this in this really quick way but like i'd and it honestly like had like a almost like a meter to it in like Mm -hmm. a very shakespearean way and it's just yeah it's it's amazing um and then so we we meet max and he's he's not having a great year no it seems like he's not it seems like it hasn't been his day, his month, his week, or even his post-apocalypse because he's got some bad. He's got. He's getting some bad PTSD flashbacks. So, yeah. which is very jar- jarring from his perspective. Uh, he gets captured, and then there is what is like a very wet branding scene. Yes, which I was like. Not expecting because he's a he's a blood donor, mm-hmm. uh, well a blood bag, so he's like forced to give blood to mm-hmm. the war boys because he's O negative. Yes, because because people get sick. Yeah, a lot in this world. Or why is it the war boys who are getting more sick than is everyone getting sick? I kept trying to figure it out. So there seems so. First of all, something I liked about this movie is that mm-hmm. there's like such little uh it doesn't give you a ton of backstory it doesn't hit you over the head with exposition yeah it really things are really vague you don't Uh you you are introduced to the the bad guy but you don't know like what his deal is how he got this way and anything like that I appreciated that because even though everything is so vague all the characters Mm -hmm. are so vivid and it's very cool that they were able to do that but apparently there's like a ton of backstory and lore behind it all yeah didn't have a ton of time to research this but i believe what happened is like concurrently with the movie they also published comic books based on it that were a prequel because you get and we'll just i'm gonna say it now immortan joe Mm -hmm. is the uh the villain and he one of them he's the the main villain and uh He, he has like, all, it's like his prequel story. So there's like, okay. there is a ton of backstory on like uh-huh. how he got there, why he is the way he is. But I, so there's like a couple different groups of people. There's like people who were living around the Oasis during the time that Immortan Joe took it over. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's those people and they seem to like be pretty rough and have like, they seem like they're rough, but they all seem like they, they for the most part, look like humans look today. Yeah, yeah. And then and then there's the war boys, 
Yeah. And then there's also his, it's the name, um, I don't know how to say any of the words. It's what Furiosa is. It's her title. She's an Imperator, Imperator Furiosa, Imperator. Which, is, which is a Roman uh, term for a like war commander. Okay. So there's that group of guys and uh-huh. they don't look exactly like the war boys. So I'm not sure what the war boys are or like when Immortan Joe has children, are they the are they war boys or are they just like I think there's like a royal family. So I think like. All right. So I think like him, I think the Winston Churchill looking dude Mm -hmm. who was a wet character who with he had like with the nose and with the fake nose. I think that's his Morton Joe's brother. And then I think like okay. the guy who later uh becomes blind and like shoots the yes. guns. I think that's his other brother. So I think they're the three of them yeah, I think they're like part of the like uh the ruling not even a real family, like a not even like a a plutocracy. It's just the control of resources. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then so then the war boys must be these yeah just children that they raise to be mm-hmm. in this kind of cult based yeah. around Immortan Joe and they I think they raise them from birth to be dependent on the chrome stuff is that true I don't know I think that they just like have a lot of health problems so they need like a lot of blood donation oh um, okay or, but I didn't know if that was specific to them and they're also like painted in white paint so I yeah. like they look very they look pretty sickly um yeah well and they're definitely there's they're they are very sick they have yeah. um like a half-life they they don't yes. live very long no. and that's why they're encouraged to you know go out and get witnessed and <laughs> go out in a full blaze Um, because they know they're not going to live very long. But that seems to be a different group of people from just like the citizens who live in the area. So they're not doing great either. Yeah, I don't think they're the picture of health. Yeah, I think it's just confusing because like Max and then all of the the women and and Furiosa Mm -hmm. aren't sick. But maybe like, I don't know. But also what is great about this movie is that it doesn't matter. Like exactly. the lore, the lore probably adds to it if you're a big fan of the other movies or li- like that kind of thing. But it also, it's like this is like a movie that literally guns it, and you just kind of be like, "All right, we're going yeah. for it." This is a this movie yeah. is is nothing but a but a car chase, which in some ways is stressful, and then in other ways, like as a diehard Fast and Furious fan. I love a good car chase. So I like don't yeah. mind this sort of action. So maybe let's describe Immortan Joe because he is yeah. such a wet, wet dude. I, I yeah. like I like to think of Immortan Joe as a general grievous type, if you will. Um, yeah. Because I just think the two of them would just get along so well. Because oh, yeah. Immortan Joe, we are introduced to him and he's being put into his armor mm-hmm. i guess you would say and this was critically wet for me absolutely critical yeah. wet moment is he so he's got like sores kind of all over him like yeah. the, like the other war he's boys got, like, do weeping sores that a war boy like blows powder onto like with his mouth before yeah. he gets put into like a, a, a like something that's like keeping his form together 
sort of a sort of a br- like a breastplate. Yeah, it's this big clear breastplate and it goes around the back too. So it's like front and back clear with abs on it, like mm-hmm. built onto it. And I, honestly, I was like I I've never seen someone try that. Like just what right, if someone right. just like put on a, a clear ab suit and walked around and was like, I'm going to see if anyone notices. Like uh, I, I kind of appreciated that. I was like, you know what? Yeah, you have you have <laughs> abs uh, and more Joe. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, that is just the wettest outfit. And then he's got it's, uh, yeah. breathe. They all have like breathing problems. Um, they all have they're yeah. all like attached to oxygen and stuff. Uh-huh. But he has a really bad breathing problem so much so that he has like a permanent. Well, I don't know. What would you describe? He, it's like a mask. I can't describe anything. <laughs> about <this>. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's going on. It's a it's a mask that's like attached to his face kind of permanently um and that that matters at the end um and he and it's just like always gurgling and then he has this big like accordion thing that keeps inflating Mm -hmm. on his back every time he breathes and you just hear much like general grievous you just hear every gurgle of his breath Mm -hmm. and uh and he's just such a wet dude and he's got this long flowing like white but yellow hair it's uh he's just he's 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 nasty he he's he's a nasty dude um yeah, again, I don't know I don't know how anything in this movie works. This movie to me is like basically like you're get you get into a sensory deprivation tank, but it's instead of like just water and and darkness, you're inside mm-hmm. of um the album Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba and you're just inhabiting oh, that world God. and those are the sounds and the, the messages and the themes are just hitting yeah. you in the head and you're getting knocked down, you're getting back up again. It's about anarchism in the end. Yeah. I don't know. I think t- I think uh, Chumbawamba should have been on should have scored this movie. The score was excellent in this movie. Um, but it, really it could have done with some Chumbawamba. It could have. Oh, yeah. So now, so now that we're talking about music, let's talk about when they go out on the Fury Road. When you go out on the Fury Road, you need to make it known. And so you need to put out that, you know, guitar hero guy oh. at, at the front at, who's just ripping the whole time up until the very end. He's still ripping end, that gets, electric guitar. Like, he gets in altercations where his guitar is taken away and then it comes back and he just keeps going. Yeah. Like he, this, he's a professional. Yeah. I also like... So I think the thing is like also he um, does not have any eyes. He's just, and he's just like going for oh. it. Is he like a war yeah. boy? Does he know what's going on? Or is he like Max I think he's a that war he's boy. Kind of coerced into doing this. Um, I mean, if he's coerced, he's shredding. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's just there for the music. He like doesn't. He's like, I actually, you know, I don't believe in uh, patriarchal war lord fascism state i i'm more here for the, my music and just like playing for people yeah i just and want a vibe man yeah i'm just here yeah. to vibe and he's like 
uh, the what he's hooked up to the rig he's hooked up to is pretty fun because it's kind of yeah. like wh- when you go to a carnival or something and yeah. people go on one of those trampolines but they get yeah. pu- you get put into a harness uh-huh. and you can jump really high and you're attached to these bungee cords it's like that he's like attached yeah. to he keeps like bungeeing out and then bungeeing back he, with his guitar it's so sick yeah. What I love about these type of post-apocalyptic movies and why they will always be better than like The Road or The Walking Dead <laughs> is that people and it's and I also think this is also like not unrealistic to how we prioritize things in our own sort of pre and current apocalyptic society <laughs> yeah. is the amount of resources, technology and energy that is funneled into making shit look cool and dramatic <laughs> like yes. having like like having all these war rigs and these cars and like and i get it's like a symbolism of like patriarchy mm-hmm. and violence and blah 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 uh but the amount of stuff making going into making things look badass and like from a stage management uh perspective the whole production that goes into making those war rigs like dramatic, having the guy, the guys on the, the sort of bungee yep. back and forth, all of that immense planning. Um, when you know they don't have yeah. water, <laughs> like when when there's not like a functioning uh, society where not even water as an as a need can be met which i know is the point of the movie but i just love it i love it i think it's oh, so yeah. interesting and i think that's also like how we we also put uh prioritize things that look cool yep briefly over the well-being of our citizens absolutely yeah and really and can we fault people for that because that guitar it's so good i kept thinking like there was at one point, I mean, there was like spikes on everything, but there were a few cars that yeah. came out where the entire, like every inch of both of the cars was a spike. Mm-hmm. Like there was not one inch. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. all of those had to be welded onto there at some point, yeah. you know, and I, I guess like there's not a whole lot to do. So if it's a day where you don't need to take the Fury Road to go trade guzzoline for bullets mm-hmm. at Bullet Town, if you don't need to do that, like what else is there to do you just gotta like weld spikes onto everything right right you just gotta weld you just gotta find spaces that don't have spikes on them yet and weld one on i'm gonna say i don't want to live in this universe but yeah again i appreciate like again the pageantry and the Mm -hmm. drama that goes into everything including in our our heroes because like they also everyone just looks like so badass and and to me um that like if you're gonna have a social message or it'd be a good movie like there should be dudes just like shredding on on guitars oh yeah in the middle of a sandstorm oh yeah oh one of my favorite parts this has nothing to do with anything but i just am looking at my notes and i was like oh i remember when that happened when like a dude gets shot with an arrow through his face uh-huh. and his neck yeah and then he sprays himself with chrome and yeets into a vehicle and it explodes <laughs> and it's just like that's that's the world that you're living in like that's what these war boys yeah. are doing they they yeah. will do that they it doesn't matter how many times you pierce right. them through the face with an arrow they're just gonna chrome right. it up and ye- yeet yeet themselves wherever they want yeah 
Um, yeah, the crumb looked pretty delicious. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> just like super into that. I was crumb. like, oh, just a little bit like that. A little bit of spray candy. Yeah. So wait. So what is the chrome exactly? Like, is is that a thing? I think it's spray, spray paint. paint. Okay. I think it's like spray or like that that you'd put on a car. Okay. Um, yeah. Because again, this is a very car based. Yeah. Culture. It's the it's um, the Fury Road. Yeah. It's the Fury Road. It's you know this is because of our reliance on oil and cars. Yep. This is our future. Yeah. That that's not subtle. Uh. Okay, so something, a reason why this movie is so fundamentally wet to me, the first two times I watched this movie, I figured, first of all, like, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. What are you doing? doing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, but right now as a refresher so mad max or max uh he basically gets caught up in some hijinks and teams up with furiosa like she trusts him immediately she's just like there's just immediate like class solidarity between them in a way that i love they're like oh you're also being you like your body is being used by this horrible horrible yeah, S- when they system. like make eye contact with each other when he's still like, yeah, chained yeah. up is, and, is great. And it takes a little bit. Like mm-hmm. they don't trust each other right away. But as soon as they, uh, they basically are stealing this war rig mm-hmm. that I thought was filled with water. I now, but then I uh, was paying a little bit more attention this time. Um, and they say like, oh, it's mother's milk. Mm-hmm. And so this truck you mean to tell me this truck that they are driving this like 18 wheeler mm-hmm. that the heroes are on for 98 percent of the movie is filled to the brim with human breast milk yes that's what we that's what the movie means to tell you yeah and then at the uh at the end um it's the end chase scene that's not the whole thing is a chase scene uh but towards the end when <laughs> I at one point one of them says to Furiosa like oh they they're using harpoons they're holding us back um they're holding the war rig back because they've they've pierced harpoons into it and there's literally milk spilling out of the and oh, it, yeah. it wasn't till this time that I realized the war rig was carrying milk also because I was like oh yeah that's definitely milk that's coming out oh, of there yeah. how did, I, oh, how did yeah. I not see that before I missed, that's definitely I missed it I think I was just like this came out in 2015 I was not ready for that yeah. in 2015 I had to yeah. live through a pandemic to be like all right, there is just breast milk in that truck and yep. it's just sloshing everywhere. And I think this is like the most gratuitous use of of just like uh, breast milk in a film I've ever seen. I think I, I can't so. Think, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's not there's not that much breast milk there's ever no in any. In fact, yeah. so this uh, franchise has held many world records over the years. Uh, orig- the original Mad Max held the Guinness book of world records for decades as being the most profi- profitable movie of all time wow um and i don't know what upseated it but um it no longer holds that and i believe mad max fury road holds the greatest book of world records for largest war rig of milk <laughs> <laughs> yeah like so and by the way if you want to or, or just check- like largest use of largest use of milk in a film that's what per, i meant to say per like uh mm-hmm volumetric 
um, yeah. unit of milk. Yeah. Or square volume of milk. By the way, if you want to fact check us and tell us about movies that have more breast milk, please do not email us that information. I don't want to know. I don't want to. I don't want to know that. <laughs> that is personal research that you can do on your own time in your, your pandemic quarantine life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, oh, so also, did you think like the aspect of this movie where so Furiosa and the five wives Mm -hmm. uh, who are sort of like the five women that uh, Immortan Joe has selected Mm -hmm. to be the like best bearers of his children. Yeah. So he sort of keeps them isolated from everyone else and they have a different upbringing that everyone else in the the Citadel is what they Mm -hmm. call it. And Mm -hmm. so they are are looking for the great green place. Mm -hmm. And I just kept like every time I'm like this is the same plot as the land before time <laughs> like that's the same plot it's the same plot as the land before time and like a lot of the same stuff happened they get to like an area where there's like a, a mm-hmm. rock formation that falls and it's you know it wasn't blown up by you know a wasteland people it should in, have been in land before time but but it should have been it could have yeah. been but yeah i kept i keep being like oh they're just trying to find the great beyond <laughs> like, right, right they just want to yeah. find those tree stars they just want those yeah. tree stars yeah no i think i think that that is kind of a trope in a lot of movies and not a lot but a few where like they're you're seeking a oasis or, or somewhere or trying to go back home somewhere and uh, and you're, you're not so sure certain, if it's still there right and then you get there and you're like oh shit this is what it's become mm-hmm. is this wasteland um yeah i guess like planet of the apes yeah where where yeah. you're like oh yeah. you realize like oh time has passed for this place also like right. i thought th- this place has been like sealed in time frozen right. in time in my memory but that's not how it it, it has time has right, also right. been progressing here too Right. But yeah, it's heartbreaking. I mean, okay, so let's talk about the ending of Planet of the Apes. Okay, yeah. The protagonist was made, and I have, I last saw Planet of the Apes, I think, in 1997 in my grandmother's living room Whoa. in Iowa. So I don't have a That's great memory. Heavy. <laughs> I have like a, a good. I think I'd be. I'd been terrified as a child. Um. Yeah. My grandma was like, "Oh, this is a great movie." <laughs> there's, uh, so, there's monkeys in it. There's monkeys in it. Chil- children love monkeys. <laughs> I was like, "I'm yeah. ready. I am ready for this." Again, it's a very yeah. serious child. <laughs> yeah. And I. Okay. So the protagonist of Planet of the Apes, he's making a lot of assumptions. Uh, when he sees the Statue of Liberty. You maniacs! You blow it up! Oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Okay. They could be, it could be a replica. If if he is I've in the also future, thought this, yeah. okay. So like, yes, maybe it's Earth, but me. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so he thinks it's a different planet, but like maybe humans came to a different planet and made a replica of. I don't know. Maybe French people are from a different planet, and that's the statue they have on their home planet. And then when they come to Earth and pretend to be French people, they sent us one of their statues. I'm so glad. I've like always wanted to talk about this conspiracy theory that 
<laughs> and I've been to France, but yeah. <laughs> and but and like never... I don't I don't know if that was France. That could no, have been no, no. anywhere. I I don't speak French. It could have been yeah. a bit. We don't know. It's like you got on a plane. The plane yeah. went up in the air. You probably fell asleep on the way there because yeah. it's a long mm-hmm. flight. So mm-hmm. who knows what could have happened by the time. Yeah. And then you landed and you just got off and you're supposed to believe that it's France. Like that could have been anywhere. That could have been anywhere that you went. <laughs> and that goes with any plane ride. I How do we know anything <laughs> Honestly, is real? I think airline pilots are lying to us. I think there's only like one place and they just keep circling around yeah. and bringing us back there they literally could just go up circle around and then co- go back down anywhere they could do that and we would believe them we'd walk off and be like this is wherever i thought it was going so the world is just an epcot we don't know about yeah <laughs> oh shit <laughs> yeah um oh, no i have also thought that about the end of uh, Planet of the Apes. As I'm always like, okay, slow down. We don't, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. I didn't come up with any any theories as specific as you just did. Yeah. But I'm always like, let's just let's talk about it. We don't know anything yet. <laughs> like slow your roll. Yeah. That was a like yeah. That was it's very A to C. Yeah. 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 I think he maybe yeah he had, maybe had a suspicion throughout it like. This kind of seems like the future. And then that kind of maybe confirmed it. I also, again, have not seen that movie since 1997 in Waterloo, Iowa. So I don't know. And it could have been different. How did I know that was Waterloo, Iowa? That could have been Sarasota. Exactly. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I like how we were like, this is going to be a low energy podcast. We're not going to have anything to talk about. <laughs> We're like, France isn't real. (laughs) Hot take, no places are real. We live in basically a big Epcot. All pilots are, (laughs) pilots aren't real. They take you up, they spin around, they go around a bunch, they go down at the same. You live no less than five miles from anyone else on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love, speaking of just like, okay, so I'm going to get into all the dialogue I love, but really just how chilling, just taking the floor, Republican Senator and Morton Joe saying, Do not, my friends, become addicted to water. It will take hold of you and you will resent its absence. Which oh, not only boy. is just like a badass thing to say that I mean is oh seems to always be kind of time timely in mm-hmm. um, how essentials are are and our access to them are presented mm-hmm. by those in power, but just that I think that also happens at the beginning, and that is also a great bit of world building instead of just being like, "Hey, that's a Morton Joe. He's got all the water. We don't got any of the water." And then they sing a song from Newsies. Um, <laughs> it's just a good bit, bit of dialogue that just kind of, you're like, okay, we get who Morton Joe is. Totally. Yeah, I loved that. My favorite line of wet, wet dialogue, and this, this may be my critically wet moment of the whole movie. I could not stop thinking about it, is... I, I know all of the names in this movie are really, really good. And I almost wish they said them more because I, yeah, they never stick and I never know what they are. Uh, right, so it's right. one of the wives and she says, 
he's a crazy smeg who eats schlanger. And they say the I wrote that down. the slang term schlanger a few times, but like he's a crazy yeah. smeg who eats schlanger. And I'm just like, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's uh talk about I think I'm ready. I think I'm warmed up to talk about the names in this. Okay. Uh so there's of course Imperator Fur- Furiosa. Yes. Uh, there's Nux, our, our sympathetic war boy, who I related to him because uh, not that I've been like brainwashed by a fascist patriarchal cult, but as soon as anyone <laughs> shows him the slightest bit of affection, he's like, yep, I'm changing everything about myself. I'm changing sides. <laughs> I'm with you all. I got it. This someone just held my hand for like five seconds okay not even sexual or romantic very romantically but i i'm i'm here um and i'm gonna be like giving inspirational speeches um yeah so next who i love uh a morton joe and then his son rictus erectus yep (laughs) and then oh another war boy was named uh slit which oh, they said the, the name Slit a lot, which I was yeah. just like, all right, okay. And then the wives' names, uh, Splendid, Angarid, uh, Capable, Toast the Knowing, The Dag, and Cheeto the Fragile. Cheeto? Cheeto. Cheeto the Fragile. And The Dag. Like, the names are so... The so like the before it like why right, um and right. the fact that none of that is explained is is i love <laughs> that like that is delightful because it's world building and yet it's like it's it's like minimalist <laughs> it's like minimalist right, world right. building um yeah. and then there's max <laughs> yeah and then there's max <laughs> He does have a last name. His name is Max Ro- Rakatansky. Oh yeah, man, I couldn't yeah. figure out how to say that. Rakatansky. Yeah, and then the uh, women motorcycle gang are the Vuvellini. Oh yeah, which just just put in the extra L. We know what you mean. Yep. Just make them the Vuvellini. Like we wouldn't think any less. <laughs> we would not yeah. think of you any less, a George Miller. Um, so I have two other characters that I can bring to the table, and this was this is the only oh, research I did on this movie. Um, because I looked up Immortan Joe because I couldn't remember what his name was for a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. So I looked him up and there was, he has an extensive biography on the Wikipedia. There, uh, there's like a Mad Max wiki and his backstory is huge. And I was like, where is this coming from? Like, did this guy exist before this movie? Like, I thought this character was just in this movie and Right. And he is. But like I said earlier, they they made comic books that -hmm. came out around the same time. And that story is covered in that. And so I know Mm -hmm. the the, so Rictus Erectus is one of Joe's sons. And then the other one who is that he he, the other son actually survives at the end. Um, He's Mm -hmm. the man with the telescope. Yeah. He is named Corpus Colossus which is great. Uh-huh. It's the part of the brain, which is a, a very wet, wet name, Corpus Colossus. And yeah. then there is a non-canonical third brother from the 2015 video game of the movie. This character only exists in the video game, but he's the third brother named Scabrus Scrotus. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. So you're telling me that what were you doing in 2015? Were you uh, working a little bit, doing a little bit of writing for the Mad Max Fury Road Companion video game? Uh, All I'm saying is if you look in the credits of the 2015 Mad Max Fury Road video (laughs) game, you're going to see my name listed next to Scabrous Scrotus. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I did all the character design <laughs> and writing for Scabrous Scrotus. Just for Scabrous Scrotus. Just him. Oh, man. But yeah, I thought that was worth mentioning because I feel like that was like they really wanted to get that into the movie somehow and they just didn't. So they saved it. And Yeah. You know? Release the, the Scrotus cut. <laughs> Release the Scabrous Scrotus cut. George Miller. Uh, yeah, this is why I this is as good a time as any to talk about this. So do you know about the editing of this movie? Did you I read don't. It, it is wild. Yeah. OK, so first of all, this was this movie was like in production hell, like a lot of the movies. Were oh, yeah. Okay. For years. And it was going to be made in 2000. But he was like, no, I have to. I have to focus on Happy Feet because he directed Happy Feet. He was like, no, 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 no. I have to, my energy's with Happy Feet right now. I can't do this Mad Max Fury Road. And, and then 2001 happened and he was like, I can't do it because of 9-11. But, but I can make uh, Babe 2 Pig in the City. He's the director of Babe 2 Pig in the City. This is like, this, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, what? He is, the, yeah. Wait. Yeah. George Miller directed Babe 2, Pig in the City. We've mentioned Babe 2, Pig in the I City. I've mentioned it several, several times. times. We've, and it's never come up that George Miller directed it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But people hated that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the again, I haven't seen that movie since like probably 2002 on a shag carpet in new jersey Mm -hmm. well you think it was new jersey yeah i'm sure there's there's similar dystopian world building and babe too big in the city for sure people people didn't like about it yeah 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 oh boy yeah uh okay so anyway so this movie uh it was edited by his wife and i should say her name because it's important to like recognize women oh but she's an e- she's an editor though like that she is an she's editor. also she's also like, his wife I this wasn't a, uh this wasn't a robert uh rodriguez situation where he's just in his garage and like he's like honey he's can like, you take honey, a can you t- i gotta go take a shower can you please just i <laughs> It's just Spy Kids 3D. It's not a big deal. Just make Elijah Wood look cool in it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, Miller recruited his wife, Margaret Sixel, to edit the film uh, as he felt she could make it stand out from other action movies. She had, they filmed 480 hours of footage that she had to edit. (gasps) It took her three months to watch it. Oh, my God. The film contains 2,700 cuts of its entire running length, which is like apparently a lot. Again, I don't know a lot about cuts and frame rates. I'm I'm just reading this because I think it'll impress someone out there. I think the more cuts, the the more frantic the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which shows and apparently so. Not only the cuts add to the sort of frenetic energy, but the frame rate was manipulated a lot, which you can definitely 
tell like Mm -hmm. from the naked eye for sure so 50 or 60 percent of the film is not running at 24 frames a second that's the traditional frame rate whoa so it'll either slow it down for scenes where you want to understand what's going on in the shot or speed it up to sort of add to that add to that kind of pace so it's all and that i really noticed is like you get like the classic one is you get a shot of like the entire armada of war rigs coming towards you and it's like framed in a certain way and then suddenly it it speeds up and you go under the truck and it's this very Mm -hmm. it's really unlike any other movie i mean maybe there's movies like it but it definitely adds to the the just whole deal of the movie but i think it is very wet oh totally it's like the frames and the, the shots are just spilling over into each other. It's like you're holding too many too too many books in your hand and they're just it's, uh, too many glass plates and they're Yeah, they're and just it's like it's everywhere. either it's either trying to like catch up to itself or yes. p- push further than itself yep. at, at any yes. given time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it really does like it adds a lot to the viewing experience and I think it so a lot of people in this movie get like sucked underneath a war rig or a truck or a car and it's uh, like I mean when when you watch this movie it feels so tense and you feel so much of what's happening I think I didn't realize that they were doing all these things with the frame rates but it makes you feel because you get this like slower uh, you described Mm -hmm. earlier um uh wider shot and then you quickly go underneath the car it makes you feel like you're getting sucked under with them mm-hmm. and that like that's a, a really wet way to go because and that's something that I was thinking about a lot during this movie my only criticism of this movie whatsoever is that I think if someone were to get sucked under a big wheel like people do mm-hmm. including um I think I think was splendid the main wife. Yeah, splendid was went under the wheel. Yeah, I mean that would just be like an explosion of viscera yeah. and blood, and um, like they they would not still be contained inside their human form. <laughs> yeah, no, she would be pretty beat up and mangled. Instead, <laughs> she okay. This is kind of I didn't know when to get into this because again I don't think we've gotten too much into the movie, but <laughs> but we will. So this movie, sure, I think has been like really highly praised as being very feminist and there are themes in it, but I honestly, and, and I think there's a, there is a great message in there about sort of, especially about like the need to overthrow systems and, and, and share Mm -hmm. resources and rebuild and rebuild and, and how these systems harm everyone, including men and boys. I think that's a really strong message. Yeah. Very clear. There's very like Joss Whedon feminism going on because you got these, you got these like, not that like women can be beautiful, but they're very, there's these supermodels. Yes, the people cast are literal supermodels. <laughs> yeah, and they're like literal supermodels and they don't get grimy or greasy like any of the other characters, mm-hmm. which I guess is like part of their deal is that they're like, they're very pampered and they're chosen for their beauty. But like, and I think this movie has been like criticized because it's like a vision of feminism that's like very white and thin and and this particular look and like i think that's mm-hmm. that that's really legit and mm-hmm. and like i think all of the actresses were great i think even the 
supermodel from the Transformers movies did a great job. Like, I think they're fantastic. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. they're very delicate and quirky, like, like, which is like a thing in a lot of Joss Whedon stuff is he'll, they'll be like kind of yes. quirky, beautiful, wayfish girls who are just, who yeah. are like also kick ass. Who are kicking, but are kicking ass in like see-through clothing, essentially. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, which like, but yeah. again, I mean, this was made like made by a man. And so I think it has more interesting things to say to me about like masculinity, um, which is mm-hmm. very valid. And, you know, Furiosa, like she fucks. Oh, yeah. I cried many times. Her interactions with Max and their arc together yes. is yes. so beautiful to me. Is, it is. is the core of the movie and is amazing and like oh my god. But anyway, that's my that's my kind of perspective. No, that's I love that perspective. Um mm-hmm. I and I yeah, I love how or I love that Max and Furiosa look at each other and they see like they are uh both completely totally capable like they are Mm -hmm. they are each other's match um as far as like being able to like kick ass and stuff um Mm -hmm. and just like the appreciation they have uh for that and um that the parts that really got to me were when when max would have like ptsd and furiosa Mm -hmm. would see that and would just like put a hand on him and be like it's okay you're here you're here with me in the car um, like she and and just the recognition that she has that like she knows this also and this is just a world where most people have PTSD right, and in right. particular she knows that this man has been through a lot of stuff but just like yeah. yeah the the sort of gentleness with which they they kind of approach each other because oh, they yeah. recognize a lot of the same experiences that they've been through. absolutely that and that they both and they 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 say it in one of the more like heavy-handed way they both like are kind of like hey are you looking for redemption yeah i'm looking for redemption too so they're both on a on a similar journey where they've done things um that they're not proud of that right that and they're and they and they get that and that sort of head nod to each other at the end is so meaningful and by the way max where are you going I, yeah i don't know where he's go- i well like it's all the water is here man just like hang out for like a day hang right. out for a day man just like take a nap right take it just like rest for a second um and i get that it's like he's like the wanderer who has right, to like right. go on to the next the next adventure right. um or he's like such an ally he's like okay put women in power all right that's cool, but it's not about me. Don't center me. I'm just gonna come right. die in the desert. I'm like what? I'm like <laughs> yeah. okay. As a, a a part that just kills me is well, first Furiosa offers to so he's being used as a blood bag where he is put on the yeah top of, on the on the front of the car and like his blood is being taken against his will and it's it's very dehumanizing and she offers she's like and he has a thing sort of over his face just I think stop from biting biting people um but it's yeah and she offers yeah. to take it off and that's how sort of they get that uh trust as so she says like we got to take that off and then at the end he stabs her in the side to stop her lungs from collapsing and then he consensually donates his blood to her Mm -hmm. every time and it is very wet and he is stabbing her (laughs) vein to vein oh yeah 
And my my boyfriend was like, this is disgusting. And I was like, this is the most beautiful scene in cinema. Yeah. Is, like that arc to go from not having any control mm-hmm. of your blood and your body to willingly giving it to someone. Uh, yeah, to me is beautiful. But also like stay yeah. and be a blood donor. Max? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, get this place on their feet, you know? Like, yeah, make yeah. sure everybody's cool. Like, it's, yeah, I, I I agree. But I think it was, yeah, definitely more um, uh, symbolic to have him yes, yeah, fade yeah. away uh, at the yeah. end. And, yeah. oh, oh, okay. One of the critically wet moments for me, what, a very, very exciting, exciting moment for me was... So I forgot they get they get at some point they get to this bog like it's a bog. Yeah. Yes. This blue tone. Yes. Squelchy bog. And there's like what were those stilt people? Because (laughs) (laughs) every time they don't explain anything and they're they're terrifying to me. Are they? Is that covered in the comics? They kind Maybe. of look at them from the car and they're like, all right. Yeah. And so it's just these like figures of human, like they're clearly humans who are yeah. covered in like cloth and they're, they're covered in a bunch of uh, clothing and cloth and stuff, but they're on stilts on all four of their limbs i think have have the stilts yeah. on them and they're using it to traverse this like muddy boggy area and it's so creepy because of course the way that they move is very unnatural and looks like something otherworldly and some weird creature but also because like it just makes me think like these people have adapted to live here clearly yeah, yeah because they are they live in this place on stilts and it's uh, it's just like creeps me out and then you realize later that that place was used mm-hmm. to be the the great green place and right. so it there is no great green place anymore that's what that was but that and i was like so what go back to the fucking bog it's great it's a bog <laughs> like thank god it's not the great green place it's a fucking bog get some stilts it's an honest living as a bog stiltsman and you can do it it's like you just live off the land for yourself if you have time to get naked and get on the top of a tower and scream you got time to get on as bait you got time to get on some stilts uh yeah those those that hot older older woman motorcycle gang the vuvalini oh Ooh. yeah the the vuvalini right. are just <laughs> they are amazing and that i know i really wanted that that woman yeah. to survive because she was badass and i was like oh she i want to see yeah, she was yeah yeah anyway uh, yeah this was yeah this is working in a lot of ways um Oh, man. Shout out to George Miller's wife and to the sound mixer, because that scene where you find out that it's the green place, they've edited the dialogue so it, like, overlaps and is coming from all these places, and you just, you're in Furiosa's sort of devastating mindset and disorientation, and then she just, like, goes out and, like, collapses Mm -hmm. in just despair it's it's wonderful. It's like very I think that's what like George Lucas thought the prequels looked like. I think yes. that's in his head that's what like Anakin reacting to his um mother's yep. death in a desert looks like. 
And again, close because those those movies are also flawless. Yeah, I loved I love that scene. Uh, oh, and yeah. again, wet dialogue under overcutting each other. Oh yeah. One of the wettest, uh, critically wet character that we, we briefly mentioned, but it bears mentioning again. So this is, I honestly don't know what his name is, but he's the guy who has the metal nose and, and the gout. And the pierced nipples. Yes. The, and when, and their little cutouts to show his pierced nipples. Yes. So this man yeah. is in otherwise what is a three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. In the desert, in the middle of the yeah. desert, this man is wearing a full three-piece suit, except for he has cut out <laughs> holes where his nipples are, and he's got them pierced, and they're connected via a chain and then a huge lock. And yeah. he also keeps, like, rubbing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he that he made that, that uh, character choice. Or they yeah. told him to... People please, sir, please keep... Burning Man just watch this movie. They're like, yes, and what? Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. What's what is the conflict in this movie? This is just what we do. Yeah, he was uh, just a man who has uh, who just his steampunk metal nose is oh, great. Yeah. Uh, I assume it's because his real nose, you know, fell off. Yeah, it's campy as hell. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, something else critically wet in this movie that happened a lot is is just like so much the characters are imbibing a tremendous amount of gasoline they are just chugging gasoline <gasps> the gasoline spit fight <laughs> yeah like for real there's literally where Nux and the other war boy are seeing you can spit gasoline into like the what are the, the the engine, I guess, of the um, car? The, yeah, the little yeah. tube that goes into the engine. Um, yeah, they're seeing who can, like, spit more into there. Yeah. Yeah, I, that was very wet to me. That spit off. Yeah. Can we get into some of the wet lines? The wet dialogue? Yeah, let's do it. So, Nux, at one point, he when he's still not 100% team save the earth girl power, uh, mm-hmm. he kind of laments that he didn't get to, to have a valiant death in front of Immortan Joe and, mm-hmm. and go to Valhalla, which is their belief system. Uh, and he says, like, I didn't get... I didn't get to do, do, like, the McFeasting with the heroes of all time. McFeasting. Wait, he says is this... <laughs> He says mix. Okay, I'm not. I I watch all of these no, I movies believe you. with subtitles on because I, you miss things like that because of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Mick feasting Mick with the, the heroes of the all time. I think again, <laughs> it is. It's just time. part of their weird, quirky dialogue. But I also like that it's kind of like a nod to a former corporation that maybe they. Yeah, totally. It's a very like go go fast. The sort of remnants of of sort of these signifiers of capitalism. Weird yeah. world. I could see them them use it like using Mick as a as Mick as in McDonald's. Um, yeah, I love pre- that actually. <laughs> yeah, like and that like so I always seem to have trouble figuring out like when this movie takes place. Like it's post apocalyptic, but right. like how long has it been? And I think they make it right. pretty clear that like there are some of the women, the the older women from the um 
vulva ladies the vuvalini but but also the vulvalini is fine oh yeah um the vuvalini um they're like the older ones do remember what life used to be is that right right or at least in the green place Oh, yeah, okay. The, the green place, I think, was like maybe an oasis holdout. But okay. I think it's possible there could be old people that remember a pre-apocalyptic world. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you there's... remember McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like so I like in, that detail. in their religion, there's a McDonald's in Valhalla, which, you know, oh, yeah. great. I mean, that makes sense that like... Yeah. I mean, the, something that will, like, stand that, like, McDonald's is going to fucking stand the test of time, like, for good or bad. Like, oh, yeah. McDonald's yeah. is here to stay. And, like, that being maybe one of the last remnants for, or, like, one of the few things people remember from the old world and then fused with, like, a belief system in this post-apocalyptic place. Like, I love that that's what it's turned into. I, yeah. I buy it 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, what, what meal would you get? At the Valhalla McDonald's. Like, what, what would you order? Okay, well, what makes it Valhalla McDonald's? What is it just like McDonald's? Um, maybe, like, the McRib is always available. Oh, okay. So, like, oh, pro- okay, I get it. So, probably, like, at Valhalla McDonald's, anything... Okay, so then I definitely know what I would get. I would get um the spicy McNuggets. Okay. I would get the spicy McNuggets that were... Okay. That came yeah. out early-ish on in the pandemic uh but for a limited time and they went away so fast and i only got to have them once and they Uh, i love mcnuggets uh, i love the trash food that chicken mcnuggets are and i loved the spicy version so yeah i think valhalla mcdonald's would probably have all of the items uh, available regardless of yeah. if they were limited time or if they are are seasonal of course. so yeah. i would get the spicy mcnuggets and a shamrock shake Ooh, yeah i think i would get i i don't care what i would get i would want to get the uh happy meal toys that came out <laughs> for the hunchback of notre dame oh what were those so like I, I want a little claude frollo a little um fucking horny judge that sings about racism and 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 genocide in a children's movie <laughs> and that they made a little little toy of him from victor hugo's novel they made a toy of him even and they put him in my happy meal and i was delighted to get him because i loved that movie because it's so dark and i know i really um, gotta watch that movie up as a disney movie yeah Oh, it's so good. It's like, it's, it's real fucked up. It's not, um, it's not well, I don't think it's very well regarded. I don't think uh, so. I like my, I straight up, my, my parents were like, no, people won't like this one. We, you don't need to watch this one. And I'm like, Uh, okay. It It was one of my favorite. Yes. Anyway, I want a judge cloud fro cloud fro low, uh, commemorative happy meal toy. I want to reflect on the nature of sin and power while i have a chocolate shake yeah okay so other lines i liked uh zoe kravitz character she's counting up the bullets and she Mm -hmm. goes she says like oh there's only four bullets for the big gun and that comes in into play everything they plant later comes into play later in the movie it's it's brilliant Mm -hmm. because we later later see 
them shoot that gun like three or four times or whatever and then a, a nice moment between Max and Furiosa where, where he's like yeah you you're better at shooting a gun like uh, obviously it, but she says but we can squirt off this little pinky and get a raunchy 29 times Mm -hmm. oh boy yeah i mean i almost like the way that the wives speak yeah because the other one of the other ones says that thing about like i love that she calls a man a smeg like that's what they call men yeah like for for smegma um is very fair in this it's very fair i was fine with it um (laughs) but yeah i almost wonder if like they have their own little slang almost because they are raised so differently that maybe isolated and repressed Mm -hmm. obviously maybe that kind of comes out Mm -hmm. that's the sense that I got that like oh they all speak so like wet and and crass and it's right it's delightful yeah and I think there is and I do love even though you know everything is very stylized I like them I like kind of the the refrain of like well then who who killed the world and like some of that, yes, you know, um, in this world at least, it is is putting that on um, on these systems that have led not that mm-hmm. not only that they're currently in, but have led to the devastation and sort of destruction of of the environment. Yeah, and like, and yeah, and how do we reclaim? How do we reclaim the future? How do we go go about doing that? Oh, and and yeah, just the idea that like at the end when like Furiosa has been through so much and essentially she she left the place mm-hmm. and came back like right. she, she went out and came back and is at the same place that she started from yeah. and that like that in and of itself and the wives too like that mm-hmm. they've been through so much and they, they tried to escape and now they're back there and they're going to reclaim right. it. But they don't even realize that that's the plan yeah. that they that they end up going with. And there is something mm-hmm. beautiful in being like the, the metaphor of like reclaiming and trying to fix the system that's mm-hmm. there instead of just running away from it. Right, right. And yeah, I liked that because it is both beautiful and devastating that they're they end up they're at the right. same place they started. Yeah, I remember being really blown away by that kind of plan to mm-hmm. go back because this this is mm-hmm. really just an out out and back errand. Uh, yeah, and the idea that like, oh, but like, how will we take over the um, civilization or the, mm-hmm. this oasis? And it's like, well, we we find out at the end that the wretched the people are are very happy that Morton Joe's dead, and then the there's just the young war boys. Mm-hmm. And they're also immediately are like, yeah, like new system, new system. Mm-hmm. But it shows that like, and I think that the the wives stress this that the war boys are are also very much like obviously victimized by the system where they're taken as mm-hmm. young children and, and forced into this position, and is sort of like in shown in their treatment of Nux, and so that there's like it's about overhauling the system and finding like. Finding a place of like, yeah, of liberation for ever for everybody within for within that, mm-hmm. not just um, not just the five hottest supermodels and <laughs> yeah. it's not just about making yeah. the suit let because I think Furios is like, oh yeah, if I if I liberate these women, um, I'll have paid my debt, and it's like mm-hmm. yes to them, 
But the bigger picture is liberating all of the water in the oasis. And then just letting that yes. water flow. Like, people really, really were willy-nilly about just liquids. Yeah, I th- I thought that too. I was yeah. like, I, at, like, for a place that is so, that has such little resources, mm-hmm. There's just like at, like at one point there uh, at the beginning, the war boys and Max are like fighting during the scuffle. They're in like their water supply, basically. Right. And I'm like, you're they're just like you're gross. You're disgusting. And you're just like sloshing right. around in your water supply. Like, don't do that. But yeah, that by I, I have the last 30 minutes of the movie. Everything is just gushing nonstop. <laughs> like everything's gushing in the last 30 minutes uh it's yeah it is wild that in with such few resources there's just like every spitting gas throwing gas gas is leaking everywhere milk's leaking everywhere water's <laughs> leaking everywhere like right uh, but it's but like but it's wet like they had to like what are they gonna do like not not have things gush and then there's a there's like the the wettest death of the movie mm-hmm. i think Mm-hmm. And and you know, very satisfying is Immortan Joe. Mm-hmm. He gets his little breathing mask thing that's attached to his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max kind of gets it caught up in the tires of the war rig, and it he just like rips off his entire uh, yeah. like the entire yeah. lower half of his face. Remember me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that was great. I think um, I do feel. How do you feel about Nux's death? Because he was the him and Splendid were the only people that died. I like. I liked that a lot of there's a lot of character beats, even for characters not fully developed. Like the, um, I think she was mm-hmm. the Cheeto, the fragile one. Was her whole thing mm-hmm. was like clearly, you know, as many like this is. This happens to people who are in abusive relationships. She wants to Mm -hmm. have like a trauma bond. She wants to return to him because it'll be, she thinks it'll be safer. And then you think Mm -hmm. she's doing that at the end, but she's really Mm -hmm. doing it to trick them. And and I had forgotten that and I just thought she defects, but it was like, no, it was part of the plan. I got tricked again this time too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like the the redheaded wife. Is she, uh, is she the dag? Who's the dag? The dag, maybe. Yeah, I don't know who the dag is, but oh no, the dag is the one who, uh, who's very, she's very much like a, a River Tam sort of. Uh, oh, and yes, Luna Lovegood, she... spooky, spooky lady. I think capable is the person. Uh, she, the oh, one okay, who yes. has has the connection to Nux. That girl loves a project. In a man. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, girl, I understand what you're doing, but yeah. <laughs> l- luckily, he was he picked it up pretty quickly. He was like, okay, got it. I've been brainwashed. This is what humanity yeah. is. Okay, but yeah. I think they wanted to do a lot with Nux I- yeah, in this movie, yeah. and they did. They did a lot with him. I think it like his character and his arc was ambitious, and I think mm-hmm. they pulled it off. I think like. Yeah, it's it's it is heartbreaking that he doesn't make it till the end. Right. He he ends up saying witness me to right capable. He they make eye contact and he says friend. to her witness yeah. him. Yeah. 
this is a movie where you're where really you're no not everybody's gonna make it till the end right and you know max is because like yeah. that's the one thing that you know is like he's a survivor he's this wanderer that has to like yeah mm-hmm. um but besides that there's gonna be some bloodshed so nobody's safe and i yeah, I, 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 I don't know where he would have... And, like, his whole thing was about how he, like, kept wanting to die for his boss. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, like, an Elon Musk fanboy. Like, please, <laughs> please send me to Mars. Please send me to Mars, Daddy Musk. I want to die for you so you can, you can jerk off on the surface of Mars. Oh yes, Daddy. Oh, you Daddy, need more money, Musk, more money, more so money. you can own Mars and you can own Pluto and you can own all the planets, oh, Daddy. I love it, Daddy. Oh, I'm going to spend all my time defending you online, Daddy. <laughs> yes, don't worry, Daddy. We will defend your honor. You, every decision you make, everything you do is wonderful. You and Grimes are the most wonderful power couple, and I am jealous of your child. <laughs> Um, he's the richest person in the world. What a wet reality we live in. What? What a dystopian wet reality that, that would allow that it to is, happen. What an immortan Joe he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's going to start walking yeah. around with like a clear six pack yeah. strapped oh, yeah. to him. I mean, immortan Joe, like, it uncannily looks like Trump. I think it's like lazy to be like, yeah. oh, he's Trump. At yeah. this point, um, especially since this came out like pre Trump administration, yes, uh, we should have listened. Uh, I know. No, it's in our DNA. America will always be hurtling towards Mad Max. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie's great. Yeah, this movie's it's great. Um, you know who is a big fan is this guy. You don't. You don't have any holes. Nope. Hey, hey Keanu. Um Well, I mean, yeah, there's like there's like three holes that the water comes out of and there's the, these big old pipes and so the, when those start rushing, that's those are some big big wet holes. It's very exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that certainly if you poke a hole in a 18-wheeler uh truck carrying liquid you never know breast milk human breast milk may come spilling out of that hole so yep road safety just be just be careful don't get final destinationed by the breast milk truck yeah just don't fury road safety come on fury road safety everybody uh you know keep your keep your blade in your gear shift don't tell everybody the combination for driving your truck yeah, and make sure, oh, they needed, like, better, more reinforced roofs to the cars. There was, like, Oh, holes. yeah. Like, people were just, like, maybe they were blowing holes in it, but, like, people were just, like, kind of coming into the top. Oh, they yeah. They just didn't seem as well. And I think maybe you don't put spikes on the top because you need to scramble out a lot on top of your vehicle. You're going to be constantly on the outside of your vehicle. Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And remember if, if you're eight months pregnant and you're, you need to swing outside of a vehicle, uh, just, yeah, try to keep, try to keep at least like three points on the car. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't. That's really what it was. Was she, 
yeah, she let go. Ah, oh, that one foot, and it was then not road safety. No. Let's do some verdicts. How wet was this movie? All right, so I think this movie, uh, obviously, this movie is so wet. It is it's wetter wet. than you could ever imagine it would be. It's when this movie starts. I promise you, you will have no idea how wet it's going to get. But um, I'll try to paint paint a picture of how wet it is. Um, you know, it's something that's I'm sure going to be on all of our minds very soon. So. It's, uh, this is as wet as a scabra scrotus flotus bonus. And so this is the scabra scrotus flotus bonus. And that's when people don't know this, but first lady Jill Biden is a huge Mad Max fan, Fury Road fan. And she is planning during this administration, it is going to be at the top of her list to get George Miller to reshoot and re-release this movie with Scabrous Scrotus as an actual canonical third brother of the Immortan Joe clan, not just a non-canonical one from the 2015 video game. So I'm really excited that we're all going to get that re-release of the Scabrous Scrotus cut. So thank you, Jill I'm Biden. so glad this administration is zeroing laser focusing in on the the issues that matter right now in a timely mm-hmm. fashion because that needed exactly. that it's been delayed too long yeah that's uh, like where's that wow. third brother oh and then so uh, yeah i'm just finally, really excited yeah. for that yeah so yeah but um yeah. so yeah what's your verdict oh but okay all right so this movie is as wet as the uh poltergeist of walt disney inhabiting the epcot ball and forcing all of the writers within to be sprayed with kinetic sand and breast milk for eternity. But the writers learn something about themselves and form an autonomous anarchist collective inside the ball and learn how to farm and keep each other, keep the ball self-sustaining in spite of the uh, awful um, fascist presence of Walt Disney. That's so wet. Think about the hydroponic farming that's going to be going on inside of that ball yeah that silver ball it's going to be glorious this episode was brought to you by al's wasteland car repair yeah hi everybody my name is al i live in mad max dystopia it's cool uh hey you got a war rig that has a lot of holes that leak breast milk you, you need to make retrofit your car so that a guy can play guitar on it with 200 amps behind him. You need to just put a blade in your gear shift. I got it all for you. Listen, go to the middle of that blue bog. Listen, there's three places in our universe. There's the oasis, there's <laughs> desert, and then there's a bog. I'm in the bog. You'll know me because I'm on the stilts come to me get your car repaired and I, and I promise I will only stab you a little and uh, and just enjoy a frothy frothy breast milk on me is it what this has been a production of mess and finesse a comedy label based out of Somerville Massachusetts if you want to hear more of this program or shows like this please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N 
at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit MessInFinesse.com or follow us at MessInFinesse on social media. Thank you for listening.